Galatians, standing on grace. And that is the new series that we are starting today. Once again, welcome to everybody here, everybody online, those of you listening on audio. Great to have you together with us. And I trust that this series will be encouraging, enlightening, that you'll get new insights, and that you'll be encouraged in your faith walk with God. And that you'll understand better some things about the practicalities of following the Lord. There's a lot of religion in the world today. There's a lot of uh, religions in the world today. And, and we even think Christianity, there's a lot of branches and ramifications. And sometimes we wonder when, when practices seem so diverse and so different, what is and what isn't? Well, the book of Galatians comes to us to answer a whole bunch of these questions and to set some things straight, okay? Galatians, standing on grace. Theologians say that this book, Galatians, is one of the most influential books in the New Testament, second only to the book of Romans. This book is also a controversial book. The book of Galatians, I don't know how much you've read it. The thing is, often when you read the Bible, we read little pieces here and there. We go to Galatians, we read a couple of verses, we go here. But if you sit down and you read the book from beginning to end, you're going to find this is a weird book, man. And it's very controversial. And throughout the, age, throughout the last 2,000 years, it has been a controversial book. Some people like it. Some people love it. And some people go, uh-uh, uh-uh. Should this book even be in the Bible? All right? I'll tell you why for some of them. But among those who liked it, who liked this book, is the great reformer Martin Luther. Okay? Martin Luther, the great reformer. This was his favorite book. In fact, he called this book Galatians, he called, he said, this book is my Catherine. I remember Martin Luther, he married a nun, Catherine. Okay? And so he called, he said, I'm married to this book. It's my favorite book. I don't know how his wife took it, but anyway, I suppose she loved the Lord as well and also enjoyed the book. But he actually wrote a book on Galatians. Galatians is a short book, only six chapters, a couple of pages in your Bible. He wrote a commentary on Galatians. It's a thick book like this. I've, I've downloaded on internet a, a, a PDF version. It's pages and hundreds of pages on this one little book. So influential was it in his life. And actually, this book was one of the greatest tools that motivated him towards bringing about the Reformation, the insights he got. Amongst the, those who don't like it, they say the book is too emotional. You see, because some people believe that religion should not be emotional. When you come to church, you should conduct yourself in the proper manner. You must not show too much emotion. You must be like this, you know, and you must talk properly, and you mustn't go, get too excited, nor too sad. You must be moderate. And there is nothing moderate about this book. As you're going to see just now, Paul, he's frustrated. He is angry. He is fuming. Why? Because he's passionate. He's passionate about the gospel. He's passionate about the people that he's ministering to. He's passionate about seeing the people following Jesus and not getting caught up with rubbish. Because you see, as Paul was going around and planting churches and preaching, once he moved on, some fanatics would come along. Some crazy preachers, some Jewish preachers would come along 
and try and get these new Christians, many of them Gentiles, in other words, non-Jews, try and get them to start coming under the law of Judaism. And Paul got angry. He got fuming. You know, so Paul wrote this letter because of that. That was the reason why he wrote this letter. Paul was passionate about defending these believers from the lies of the enemy, from the lies of these false teachers. He was passionate to see them living in the power and the liberty of the Spirit of God. And so this sermon today, part one of the series, is called A Passionate Leader. A passionate leader. And as we go through this morning's message, and even through the book, I hope that you will see how passionate Paul was. And my desire is that you and I, as we you know, study this book over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a five-week study on this book, as we go through it, that you and I will become passionate as well about the gospel of Jesus, about following Jesus in the freedom of the Spirit, not all caught up in law and rules and regulations and systems and uh, which bind us, but rather to be free to love God, to love Jesus, to love people, and to grow in our faith. Amen? This book is probably the first letter that Paul wrote. It was written around A.D. 50. Not too many years after Jesus had ascended. As I said, Paul was a church-planting missionary. He'd go to places where the gospel had not been preached. And back in those days, wherever Paul went in the Roman world, there was usually a mixture of Jewish people because the Jewish people had been spread all over the place because of the previous, you know, uh, attacks on Israel and the different kings that come and spread the people. So there were Jews all over the place, but there were also a number of Gentiles, in other words, non-Jews. There were Greeks, there were Romans, there were other nationalities. And so he would preach the gospel and then gather the people into local churches, kind of, you know, put the church together, and then move on. Then he would continue, you know, teaching the churches and train them. Either he would make a second trip and come and visit them, or when it was necessary, he would write a letter. But now remember that in the first century, correspondence was not easy. Paul couldn't just turn on his tablet and uh, send them an email or maybe a WhatsApp message. No. Letters were complicated and complex and expensive, that would be handwritten, all right? And then somebody had to go from wherever he was to whatever city he was writing to. Somebody had to go, and often they had to, you know, help on the journey, give them something towards the costs of this journey. It was the only way for letters to go. The post office system wasn't in place in that day. No, it isn't in place today. No, no, no never mind. Uh, so it, it was a difficult system back in the day. And so it was an expensive business to send these things out. But it was necessary. And because these false teachers were going around Galatia, Galatians is writing to the churches in Galatia. All right? And so because he was doing this, he had to write this letter to them. And this letter is seen as a, a freedom charter for believers. Its main concern is that Christians have a choice. In fact, Christians have three choices. And what Paul told them, he's telling you and I today, because things haven't changed much. Still today, we have three choices as followers of Christ. And notice, he's writing to Christians. He's not trying to 
convince the unbelievers. He's not trying to evangelize. He's writing to the church, to people like you and me, who, who, who are used to kind of going to church or, or at least have some basic understanding and knowledge of the Bible. Paul is writing to those people, so this letter is very useful for you and I, who are also more or less familiar with the things of God, things of the Bible and church life. And so he say, guys, he's talking about three choices, and that's his concern. And so they had the following. They, they could either go back to the law, these, these new believers could go back to the law and live in legalism, which would imprison them. Or... They can go into license, which means there is no law at all. Complete freedom, no laws. Or, third one, they can live in the liberty of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God. And that is Paul's aim. He wants them to be free, but to live in the freedom of the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God. Free within the boundaries of the teachings of the Bible. Now, at the beginning of Galatians... Paul talks to them about his own life and ministry and tells them how he fought for the freedom of Christian Gentile believers against the people who tried to turn them into Jews. Remember, Christianity is a, is a, 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 a belief that came out of the Jewish system. The first Christians were Jews. Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were all Jewish people. The first believers were Jewish. And so when the gospel began to go beyond Jerusalem and started reaching the Romans, the Greeks, and the other people, some of the Jews found a little bit jealous. They found, found a little bit, hey, come on, this is our religion. This is our church. Uh, what are these guys, you know, they're not circumcised. They don't practice the law. They eat all sorts of weird stuff, man. And they wanted to bring the law to these people. And Paul had to fight that. He says, no. Is freedom in Christ. They are not Jews. They are followers of Christ. And there was a big controversy. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. And so these people, they, they, we call them Judaizers. They were Jews which would come into these new churches and try and convert these people back into legalism. And one of their demands was the necessity of circumcision. Now, for us today, this is not an issue. Nobody, you know, kind of makes a big fuss about that. But remember, back in those days, it was a big issue because for the Jewish nation, still today, circumcision is a sign of their covenant with God. It was a law. If you're part of the covenant, you have to do this. And, and so these Judahites, they felt, man, these Gentiles, they come in, they're not circumcised. How can they be part of the people of God if they're not circumcised? Oh, we must circumcise them. And Paul is saying, rubbish, man. Stop it. You're putting people back under the law. Now, guess what? Back in, you know, in, the, in the first century, their big problem was circumcision. Do you know that today there are still people going around churches and trying to get Christians to come under bondage of the law? It may be not, maybe it's not circumcision. But they say, you've got to do this. Oh, you've got to do that. You've got to be baptized this way. You've got to speak in tongues. You've got to fast. You've got to dress like this. You've got to use this color when you get dressed. You've got, you've got. And they're still with us today. And so the book of Galatians is just as applicable to you and me today as it was to the Galatians 2,000 years ago. 
And so it's important that we take some time and we look at this book carefully. That's why I'm, gonna, I'm not going to rush this in one service. It's going to take a few weeks to go through this so that we can understand this. Amen? Paul did not want the Christians to be under the law. But he was also just as keen not to have the Christians living in license. In other words, <laughs> no law, yay, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> just because I believe in Jesus, I am saved, and therefore I can do anything that my flesh wants. You see, there were also those kinds of people 2,000 years ago. There was actually a belief back in that day. They believed that the spirit of man is what's important. The body doesn't mean anything. Therefore, whatever I do with my body doesn't matter. And so they get involved in prostitution and all sorts of fleshly stuff because it's the body. What matters is my spirit. I've got to believe in God. And Paul is saying, hey, 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 guys, it's not that extreme. And it's not that extreme. There is a life here with God, with the spirit of God. There is freedom, there is joy, there is liberty. But it's not license and it's not legalism. It's freedom in the spirit. And that's what Paul is fighting for. We, we sang about it this morning when we opened the service. We sang, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know what? This freedom, it's not about the freedom that happens here when you meet together in church. No, this freedom in the Spirit is all the time because the Spirit is in us. And so, yeah, when you come to church, you can celebrate our freedom and you can sing about it. But you know what? I can have this freedom every single day of my life, no matter what I'm doing. I can be free where I work. I can be free where I play. I can be free where I go to school because the Spirit of God gives me freedom. And wherever I am, the Spirit of God is in me, so the Spirit of God is there too. And therefore, this freedom is a way of life. Amen? The liberty in the Spirit is not lived under the flesh, and it is not lived under the law. So let's dive in and, and read a, a, a section from chapter 1. And then I'll, I'll give you more background as we go along. We're going to start reading ver by reading verses 1 to 5, which say the following. This is the, the greeting. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. That's his opening. Now, I want you to notice the tone of this letter as compared to other letters of Paul. When you read all of his other's letter, he uses what I call the sandwich approach. He opens the letter, he greets them. He usually says who he's right with, me and brother so and so and brother so, we greet you. And then he praises them. We have heard of your good works and it's so good to know what God is doing in your midst. And, and he praises the church. And then he goes into some teaching. Then he claps them a little bit and says, hey, hey, I heard of this about you, and you guys are doing this wrong, I need to correct that, and he gives some teaching correction, and then in the end, he says, but it is so good 
to know how well you're doing. And it's, I'm so happy to hear about you and I'm praying for you and I love you. And so he uses this like sandwich approach. Praise, like a clap, and then some more praise and he sends them on the way. Galatians has nothing of that. He greets them and he dives right into bringing correction. You'll see as we go along. It's a different kind of book. This is the only letter of Paul, Galatians, where he has nothing nice to say to the churches. Every other, listen, Corinthians, man, talk about a problematic church, was the church in Corinth. So in both book of Corinthians, Paul, man, is having to correct those guys with some horrible stuff taking place in Corinthians. And yet, in both of those letters, he praises them. And he finds something good to say about them. Galatians, not one thing. Next. He mentions no one by name. Neither of those who are with him, nor when he greets in the end, he just greets them. He doesn't send greetings to anyone. In all the other books, Romans and so on, he mentions, oh, send greetings to this brother and to that sister and to this guy. He gives them by name. Galatians, you see nothing of that. And that's why some people say, man, this book is very emotional. Is the apostle even hearing from God? He's so angry. Normally, Paul just says who he is and what he is. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, and then he moves on. But in this letter, he goes on to explain where his authority comes from. He does this in no other letter. He says, look, I'm an apostle, not from men, nor through man. In other words, Paul was not voted into ministry by a congregation. He didn't go to a Bible school and then was ordained by another man. The risen Jesus appeared to him and called in personally. Much later, Paul went to meet the other apostles in Jerusalem. And they confirmed his calling and ministry as genuine. But here, Paul is making sure that the readers understand that he is speaking under direct authority of God the Father and Jesus Christ. In other words, hey, this is not Paul speaking to you. This is God speaking to you through my mouth. That's the kind of authority he's claiming here. And that's the kind of authority he had. Hmm? He's making sure that people understand who he's speaking here. They mustn't take his words merely as man's opinion or as one man's personal interpretation of the Old Testament. You know, today, I can come to you and say, guys, I've been reading this book, you know, the, whatever book it is of the Bible, and, 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 and this is my take on it. Well, when you listen to me speaking like that, I'm giving you my take on the book. You may agree with me, but you're free to disagree with me because it's my take, me, Valdir da Silva. But what Paul is saying, he's not giving his stake on the Old Testament. He's declaring what God has done, what Jesus has done. And that's why this book is in the Bible, because it is Scripture. It is God-ordained. And so when we read Galatians, understand, you are not reading the opinions of Paul. You are reading God's idea of gospel through the writing of Paul. This letter is directed to the churches in Galatia. Galatia is what is known today, it's modern-day Turkey, particularly the central and southern part of Turkey. Paul had planted a number of churches in that area. 
and, and they consisted of some Jews and many Gentiles. At that time, Galatia was populated largely by descendants of, of the Gauls. You guys know the Gauls. You've all read Asterix, right? Oh, you don't know Asterix? Oh, my goodness. Okay. They were Vikings. You know about Vikings. Okay, a lot of Vikings had, had taken. So a lot of descendants of Vikings were in that area. And now these people, they were new to the faith. They had their own religions. And as you know through history, many Vikings actually later on attacked the Christians and, and, and the believers. But anyway, when Paul went there, there were Vikings there, or descendants of Vikings, and there were Romans, and there were Greeks, and there were Jewish people. And so he, but now, the, these large Viking populations or Gaul population, these people were new to the faith. They were also known as people who could change their mind easily. He, even Caesar wrote about these guys, how fickle they were. They could change their thinking just like that. And the proof is in the Bible. When Paul went to Lystra, and, and as he was preaching, a man got healed. He prayed for a guy, and a guy got healed. Man, those Gauls who wanted to make Paul and, 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 and his partner gods, says, you guys are gods. You are Zeus, and you are this. And Paul said, hey, no, 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 I'm not God. That was one day. The following day, some Jews, some of these troublemaking Jews, they came along and started accusing Paul. And guess what? Those same Gauls that wanted to make him a god one day, the next day, they stoned Paul. They drive Paul out as if they thought he was dead after being stoned. Very fickle people. They, 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 were, they, were, they, they would change their mind easily based on emotions. Okay? And you can read about that in Acts chapter 14, by the way, if you're interested in that story. So Paul starts with his usual grace and peace greeting. Does not give any praise to the churches, but elaborates on the fact that Jesus came to deliver us from this present evil age by giving himself for us. He makes sure that's right there in the beginning of the letter. The gospel, the good news is about Jesus and what he did. Namely, his sacrificial death on the cross. On the cross, he took your sins and my sins. He paid fully for your sins. There is nothing else we can do to get rid of our sin except believe in Jesus. That's it. You and I cannot be good enough to earn our salvation. You and I cannot keep the commandments to earn our salvation. And this concept will be expanded as the letter goes on. But we have to recognize that grace is at the heart of the gospel, is at the heart of the good news. Without God's undeserved favor towards us in Christ, there is no salvation, there is no right standing with God. We could not be delivered from this present evil age if it was not for what Christ has done for us. And listen, after all these years, guess what? We are still surrounded by a present evil age. Look around you. There is evil all over the place. This world is getting worse as day by day. We are still surrounded by an evil age. And so we need the gospel. We need Jesus. We need his protection. We need his guidance. You want to be free? You need the gospel of Jesus. Just as the Galatians needed to hear it. Let's continue. Verses 6 to 10. Now Paul dives right in. Notice he didn't elaborate on anything. He didn't give them nice words. And yet now he dives right into his teaching or, in this case, reprimand. Verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a 
different gospel. Some translations like King James says to another gospel. Which is not another, but it is. There are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now watch this. But even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you in the past, okay, let him be accursed. I'm going to come back to this word because this word is heavy, man. It's a heavy word. Let him be accursed. Then you repeat it, as I have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. For I, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to pleasure men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Wow. Let's stop a little bit here. You, you can hear that Paul comes across strongly over here. Huh? Imagine if this was a voice note. <laughs> you would hear Paul's frustration and an anger in his voice. All right? He goes straight to the heart of the matter. And you can hear his frustration at what is going on. He is concerned for the welfare of the believers. And he is angry at those who are misleading them with their false teaching. Paul uses some strong terms in his opening statement. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. When he says turning away so soon, it's not so soon after your conversion. Because these guys had been established in their faith. They had been formed as a church. They were growing as a church. <clears throat> He's saying, I'm surprised that you're turning away so soon after hearing a false teaching. So you've been walking for years, you've been following Christ. Now some paluka walks in and gives you some, some weird thing, and you go, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to follow these guys. How can you get tricked, get deceived so quickly? That's what he's saying. How can you turn away so soon after these false teachers? And you know what, people? It still happens today. It still happens today. You teach people the word of God in its simplicity, in its power. And they embrace the word and they start following Jesus. And they are blessed and they start following Christ. They maybe join a church and, and they are happy in the Lord. And then some new preacher comes into town with banners and I've got a new revelation, hallelujah. Uh, you follow Christ, but if you follow me, you're going to be a better Christian. You have not been given the full God. You go to that church, oh no, they don't give you the full God. Yeah, come to me, come to my meetings, I'm going to show you the truth. I've got a new revelation. God has spoken to me and he has given me a new revelation. What does the Bible say? It is nothing new under the sun. Everything that God wants to reveal to us has been revealed in the Bible. Now, you may have a fresh understanding of the, of the thing, just like we're doing now as we go through this, this book over the next couple of weeks. I hope that some of you will get a fresh understanding of Galatians and a fresh understanding of the gospel, but I'm not going to preach anything new to you. It's old stuff. The problem is we, we, we get so far from God, we get so busy with life that you move away from, from, from God's word. We have to come back to God's word. But once we're back in God's word, there is no new revelation. Beware of people that say, oh, I had a dream. Or an angel spoke to me. Listen to what Paul said. If people had followed what Paul wrote, 
and not believed angelic appearances, we would have a better world today. There are at least two great religions in the world today, false religions, which came about because of angelic visitation. And they came to add something to the New Testament. The angels came and said, I've got more for you. The New Testament is not enough. I've got this for you. And today there are people being deceived because of what some angel told some prophet years back. It's still happening today. People come in under the guise of Christians, and they are deceiving Christians, pulling them away from healthy churches into unhealthy churches, where then they get hurt, they get confused. And some of them get so confused, they turn their backs on God and the Bible, and they want to hear about church again. Paul is saying, why did you turn away so soon? Paul calls it a different gospel or another gospel. And there are two Greek words for the word another. Two Greek words. When the Bible says another, it could be using one of two Greek words. It's either heteros or alos. Heteros or alos. The word heteros means another of a different kind. So if I'm sitting at the table and I'm after, after a meal and I'm enjoying an orange and I finish my orange and I, tell, and I ask my wife, my love, give me a heteros fruit. Give me another fruit. Give me a heteros fruit. She will understand that I want a different kind of fruit. So if, if I've just had an orange, she's going to bring me an apple or a banana because it's a different kind of fruit. But if I've just finished my orange and say, darling, bring me an alos fruit. Bring me another fruit. Bring me an alos fruit. She's going to bring me another orange because I want another fruit of the same kind. When Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter, Jesus used the word alos. I'm going to send you alos comforter. Another comforter of the same kind as me. Huh? But here, Paul is saying, why have you listened to a heteros gospel? A gospel of a different kind. Huh? And so Paul says, I marvel that so soon, you've, so soon you've, you've been turned away from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different, to a heteros gospel, which is not another Alos gospel. In other words, he's saying, you have turned to a different gospel which is not of the same kind as the one I taught you. Huh? Then he says, these guys have troubled you. They want to pervert the gospel of Christ. The, the Greek word pervert means to turn around, means to turn away, to destroy, to render useless. So he says, these guys that bring you a different gospel, they are destroying the word of God. They are destroying the gospel of Christ. They are turning you away from Jesus and the gospel. And so he goes on to say, even if we or an angel preach any other gospel than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's a strong language again. To preach anything other than the gospel of Christ, to add anything to the gospel of Christ, let that person be accursed. And Paul may come across a bit strong here, and, and, and later in the letter he does this again. But this is because he is passionate about the faith of his brothers and sisters. And he's concerned that a misunderstanding of grace and salvation, and, and, and it will turn them away from God. And this, in his passion, 
He shows us the importance of the gospel. First, there is only one gospel. There aren't many gospels. There is only one gospel. And Paul feels so strongly that he wants them to understand that even if an angel should miraculously appear in their midst and tell them another way to salvation, they should not believe it. That's a bold statement. But really, it is logical. If we believe you are saved by faith alone, then what we believe has a bearing on our salvation. If I believe I'm saved by, by faith alone, that is my anchor of faith. And Paul is afraid of a corruption of faith jeopardizing the message of God's grace. And so he repeats that in verse 9. I say it again. If you're not preaching the gospel, let him be accursed. And Paul is so serious that he repeats the thing again. Now the word accursed is the Greek word anathema. Anathema. Meaning, let them be excommunicated. Hmm? Those of you with more traditional church background, you understand what that means. When you're excommunicated, you're kicked out of the fellowship of the church. You're not allowed to put your foot in the church. Excommunicated. The word, excom the word anathema means doomed to destruction. It means to be judged by God in a bad way. Listen, you know, you know what actually Paul is saying? He's saying he's so angry with these false teachers that he's basically saying that if an apostle or even an angel from heaven preaches another gospel, let them go to hell. That's how strong the language is. In our translation, it comes up a bit lightly. It says, what, pastor? Is this in the Bible? Read the book of Galatians. Read the whole book. And that is how crucial this matter is, people. You see, so many people, so many Christians, take their faith lightly. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Hallelujah, you know. And it's okay if I believe in Jesus plus something else. So many churches today believe in Jesus plus. You've got to believe in Jesus plus. Then you're going to be saved. It's, a, you know, it's, it's as if the work of Jesus on the cross is not enough. You've got to add something more. And it's an insult to Jesus. But worst of all, it's taking us away from the gospel. And if you're not careful, it can take us away from God and from salvation. Sometimes when you are in the desert or on a long road, you look down the road and, and it looks like there's water on the road. Have you seen that? It looks like a, it's a mirage. Look at this water and there's things over there. But it's, it's just the effect of heat and light and so on. There's nothing there. And sometimes when, when we are in a spiritual desert, we can be tempted to believe things that are not true. It's just a mirage. It looks real from far, but it's far from real. Hmm? And today, you are being bombarded with spiritual mirages through the media. You can scroll through Facebook or any other media, YouTube and, and so on. And you can have all these people with all these ideas, you know. Some of them are using the Bible. I've got a new revelation. Look at the word of God says. I've got the, you follow my channel because I've got the truth, man. And you are being bombarded, and so am I, with spiritual mirages, getting us to add something to our faith. Yeah, believe in Jesus, but you need this too. And you must practice this. And you need to eat like this. And you must go to church on this day, not on that day. And Faith. Plus, faith plus anything else 
is not the gospel. And this is what's driving Paul's madness in this letter. This is what's driving his passion in this letter. Chapter 1 sets the tone for the, for the letter. Verse 10 forms the foundation. For do I now persuade men or God? Huh? Do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. In other words, listen, people, listen. I'm not preaching to please you guys. I'm giving you the word of God. My desire is to follow God. It is to serve you, but to follow God. I'm not here to please you. He's not writing this letter to please the Galatians. Rather, he wants to show his love for them and for God. But his ultimate goal is to be a servant of Christ. What is your ultimate goal? Do you want to be religious or do you want to be a friend of God? Do you want to be religious or do you want to be a follower of Christ? You see, a servant of Christ loves God and loves his neighbor. As followers of Christ, you and I are also called to love God and love our neighbor. But, listen, showing love to someone, listen carefully, showing love to someone is not always the same as making them happy. Huh? It's not the same as making them happy. It's not the same as pleasing them. You see, this is a distinction that is often lost in church circles today. But it's important to see here that Paul, as Paul proceeds, that his motivation is Christ-focused. Because if I love you, and I give you the truth of the Bible, sometimes I'm going to hurt you. Sometimes I'm going to offend you. If you love me, and you come and tell me something about that, maybe you see I'm, I'm, I'm getting off the point here, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something which is not right, and you love me, and you say, Pastor, look, the Word of God says this, but, but you are doing that. I'm going to get mad at you, man. Who do you think you are coming to tell me? You know, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a part. What are you doing? But guess what? You are right. <laughs> the Word of God is divisive by nature. The Word of God says this is right and this is wrong. And you live in a world who does not want to hear that. They say, no, 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 I know what is right. I know what's right for my life, okay? You got your truth, I got my truth, man. And yeah, yeah mind your business. Live your life. <laughs> the Word of God does not do that. God loves you too much to love you, to allow you to love your truth. Amen. And so I would like to ask you to this week, take some time and read the book of Galatians. If you spend a chapter a day, by Saturday you'll be finished. But what I'd like to encourage you is to actually try and read the whole book in one sitting. It's only six chapters. You know, depending on how fast you read, it can take anything between 20 and 30 minutes to read the whole book. And why am I saying that? Because this is a letter. You know, when you receive a letter, you don't open the letter and you read one paragraph today and then you come back tomorrow and read the second paragraph. When you open a letter, you read from beginning. Oh, no, no, no. And this is a letter. When Paul wrote this, it didn't have chapters and verses. That came many years later. Paul just wrote a nice long letter and sent it to them. And so I want to encourage you to, during this week, take some time. Take half an hour. Put aside. Sit down. Open your Bible and read Galatians from beginning to end. Don't, don't talk about the chapters. Just read all the way from beginning to the end. Paul was passionate about what he believed. And he was passionate about the people he loved. He wanted them, and by extension, he wanted you and me to enjoy the fullness of the freedom and the salvation of Jesus. Everything that Jesus purchased for us. We no longer need rituals and laws to be in a relationship with Christ. 
Christianity really is not a religion. It is categorized as a religion, but true Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship with God through Christ. Think about that. We don't need rituals and all sorts of stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong to have rituals, but that is not what makes Christianity good. It is our relationship with Jesus which gives power to Christianity. Hmm? Think of the man on the cross that died next to Jesus. And what did Jesus tell you? The guy said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And you on the cross. And Jesus turned and said to him, I would love to have mercy on you, but unfortunately, thou wert not baptized. Unfortunately, thou could not get on your knees and say the sinner's prayer. Unfortunately, you did not attend Sunday school and read the Bible. Therefore, I cannot. Come on, guys. What did Jesus say? You're about to die with it just like me. But guess what? We're going to go together to paradise. No ritual. They forged a relationship. Both these two guys suffering on the cross. They forged a relationship. And that faith in Jesus is all that was needed. Now, you and I, we're not hanging on a cross. So it's okay. We can get baptized. We can go to children's church. We can go to church. We can worship. We can sing. We can do good to others and so on. But all these things we may do, it's not to earn salvation, but it is because we have salvation. We're not doing to get God's love. We're doing it because we love God. Then we do. It's a different motivation, guys. Christianity is a relationship. Amen? Now, Paul was passionate about what he believed and the people he loved. How about you today? Are you trusting on the work of Jesus alone for your salvation? Or do you think you need to add some works, some rituals, something else to the faith that you have to make your salvation complete? Listen, Paul was a passionate leader. And each one of you and, my, and myself, each one of us as followers of Jesus, we are leaders too. We are told to follow Jesus and to make disciples and to share the good news. That's leadership. In a greater or smaller way, you are a leader. People are watching you. In school, at work, at play, people are watching you. They, they, they're getting cues from you. Are you leading them somewhere? Are you being a leader? Are you showing something worth following? Hmm? You are leading by the life that you live. If somewhere, someone were to gauge what you care about most based on how much passion you have for it, what would they come up with? That might be an interesting question to ask your friends during this week. Go to somebody and say, what do you think I'm passionate about? <laughs> okay, and just see what comes out. Listen, as we progress in the side of Galatians, may you too be encouraged to be more passionate about the message of the gospel, passionate about living it, and passionate about sharing it. I, I invite all of you, all of you, those here, those online, I invite you to, to follow this complete series, either by coming in person or by following us online. Go to our website. Every week it's going to be there. You can follow us from wherever you are and follow this complete series and allow the Word of God to instruct and encourage you. Amen? Come, let's stand up and let's close the service today. That's where as far as we're going to go today. Amen? Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for having done the complete work for our salvation. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you shouted from that cross, it is finished, Lord, that that was the completion of your work of salvation for all of us, Lord. (laughs) Thank you that today, myself, my brothers and sisters here, those that are watching online, those that are listening to this message, Lord, thank you that we don't need to perform anything else to be saved. We can just put our faith in you, trust in you, just give our lives to you. And follow you, Lord. Thank you that salvation is as simple as that. I pray, Lord, that you'll make us, help us to become as passionate about the gospel as Paul was. As passionate about helping others as Paul was. And that we'll have a clear understanding, Lord. And don't allow any false teaching to put doubt into our heads, Lord. To cause us to wonder about our salvation. And to follow other crazy stuff. Lord, help us to stay faithful to you. I pray your blessing, Lord, upon everyone under the sound of my voice. Here, online, on this audio. And I pray that the love of God the Father, that the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit may remain with you as we grow in grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week, we're going to ask the question, Are you okay with God? Are you okay with God? We're going to talk about that next week. So be here on Sunday, online, present, and you're going to continue in the cities. Have a wonderful Sunday, a great week. See you next week. Amen. God bless you.